have to tell you, you know, the images of whole families crossing boundaries into other territories, you know, with, with luggages and dogs in their, under their arms and, you know, with their kids crying, it's, uh, it, it makes your heart break. I got to tell you, it just, it really does. And that's just California. You know, it's, uh, Ukraine's pretty bad too. Okay, so Ukraine, no, really, obviously very, very bad situation, Ukraine and Russia. Uh, it is really quite awful, and it's continuing on. There are now, at this point, 2 million refugees from Ukraine. Uh, and it's not surprising. It's, we've got a monster called Putin, and he's, uh, he, monsters do what monsters do. And he's, in a surprise, uh, I'm going to give you a shocker here, he's not a believer. He's not. He doesn't go to church. He doesn't. Who knew? Does this shock you? Of course not. Of course it doesn't. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But I feel like I need to explain my very hoarse voice right now. And the reason why is, frankly, it's Ari. I, I just got done yelling at him. And uh, I think, you know, Ari's the kind of guy that you look upon him and the first thing you want to do is just yell. He's just he, Either you want to yell because you're so frightened of him and, and, it, and his face is so terrifying, or you just want to yell at him because you're just angry with him. And I, I choose the latter. Um, I, I'm certainly not frightened of him, but I just I can't stand to see his face. So I have to yell. And, uh, and here we are. Thanks a lot, Ari. Thanks. Mm. Appreciate that. Uh, okay, so Russia, Ukraine, it continues on. And the interesting parts of the news as we're going along, and I've said this before, that Russia will be as brutal as need to be in order for him to win Ukraine. Has to do it, unless, of course, someone takes him out um, or otherwise imprisons him or somehow he becomes hobbled at the knees in some other way. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to have to continue to be brutal. And you'll see, as you have been seeing, this extraordinary brutality that's going on. <clears throat> but guess what? The word brutal, harsh, uh, horrific, those words, they don't exist in the lexicon of atheism. They don't. So from Putin's vantage point, and for that matter, Hitler and Stalin, they never said, you know, I'm going to kick it up to level nine and a half in the brutality scale. But no more than that, because, you know, I, I don't want to look at be perceived as, as that bad, Right. No, they, they, there was no stopping the level of brutality because brutality is only our word, our, our lexicon. <clears throat> but if you don't have God in your life, if you don't have God in your civilization, there is no need for that word. There is no good and evil. There's no right and wrong. There's no measure whatsoever other than what it takes to gain power. And that's always been the way. So look, <clears throat> Putin is, like I said, not a churchgoer, doesn't believe in God. His father was an atheist, a communist atheist, no less, and thought the whole business of God was not only silly, but destructive. So I, <clears throat> now, of course, that doesn't mean that Putin, just because his father believed one thing, that he has to believe the same thing as his father, but he certainly has acted consistent with what his father has believed. He was the head of the KGB, after all. 
and bemoaned the demise of the Soviet Union as the greatest, greatest catastrophe of the 20th century. So, yeah, I, I kind of tend to think that that's the way he thinks, all right? <clears throat> now, interesting things are happening, um, and, and they reveal a lot of information. So one of them is that they actually have offered a peace resolution with Ukraine by more or less saying, you don't take, you recognize the eastern provinces of Ukraine as ours, as well as Crimea, and uh, we let you go. And also don't join NATO, don't join the EU. And then we're done. No more lives lost. We can stop right this second. Now, <clears throat> interesting to think about that because I don't think that's what Putin had in mind when he invaded Ukraine. He didn't say, oh, I want to make sure to, to get the recognition of those two eastern provinces in Crimea. That's not what he was interested in. He wanted Ukraine, the whole of it. Thank you very much. Now that he's getting a lot of resistance and he's being bogged down quite a bit, then all of a sudden he's very interested in, in very sensible peace. Um, and I put sensible in quotes. So I don't think it's going to... I think he has no choice but to be as brutal as possible. He has to double down, triple down, quadruple down uh, to make things happen. That's the way I feel about it, and I think I'm right. And it's exactly what's happening. We are seeing exceptional brutality about this, but don't expect anything other than exceptional brutality, like I said. Um, now, here's another thing. Everything that Putin says that the European nations, and for that matter, America, might do to participate in this, whether directly or indirectly, sanctions or otherwise, well, that's an act of war. That's an act of war. Well, doesn't that sound like a, a, a dog that has very little bite and a lot of bark, right? Doesn't it? My guess, Ari, <clears throat> would love your thoughts on this now. My guess is that if even one small country in Europe decided to actually get into the hot war with Russia to join with Ukraine against Russia, let's say Holland, I think that, I think that would be a tipping point for Russia. I think it would make it all the more difficult. That tying together with all the sanctions and the business issues and everything else. Um, what do you think? Uh, I completely disagree with you. I mean, completely. I mean, I don't blame Putin in this at all. I mean, I don't know about his... I don't look into Mr. Putin's heart and know his faith. I assume he's a... Uh, I, I believe he's just as atheist as Joe Biden. He's probably Eastern Orthodox by lineage and doesn't church, attend church unless he has a photo op there. But Biden is every bit the, uh, the um, uh, atheist Putin is, and worse, because, you know, Biden is the one who got us into this. Biden is one with Obama who provoked this ever since 2012 and 2014. I mean, the list goes on and on. The, the breaking news today that I think is so huge is they found biological research labs funded by Fauci in Ukraine. Okay. Now, that, that news was true. That was true. It was confirmed by Victoria Newland under questioning by Rubio. So Ukraine is not an innocent in all this. As far as I'm concerned, I default to not believing what the media tells us. Okay. So my, my belief is that Ukraine is the bad guys. In this one, where there's no good guys, Putin is the better guy. And I think Ukraine deserves anything it gets from Putin. Wow, wow, wow. That's quite a statement. That's quite a statement. I, I got to tell you. But let's, 
Let's focus first, because uh, I'm focusing on what Russia is going to do. Whether or not Ukraine is a good guy nation or not a good guy nation, uh, the fact is that there are a lot of innocent Ukrainian people there. They don't all have to ascribe to whatever Zelensky has done or will do or I, I, whatever there might It just, it's not, that's not the way I look at it. I'm talking about this war right now, or prompted the war. Uh, and you talked about Biden, of course, being responsible for that. I, I agree with you about that. But now that it's a fact on the ground, it's a fait accompli, it's there. What is Russia going to be doing at this point? That's what I'm, I'm talking about right now that I want to explore about what you said about the, um, about the biological uh, weapons that, and Fauci's involvement in that, because well, I think that's very interesting. We don't know if they're biological weapons, per se, or if they're Wuhan research labs. Do, is, I mean, could you call the gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab that Fauci was funding biological weaponry or biological research. You know, when they give the grant, it's not like he says, hey, we're going to build biological weapons to be used against us. All right, so they I do want to talk about that. I do want to talk about that later, like I said. But right now I want to talk about Russia because I want to analyze this. Uh, I, I'm interested in, in knowing what Putin's future is going to be because, look, I play a lot of chess, and I think that he probably bought into the hubris that his generals have told him because they told him things that he wanted to hear. He wanted to hear that his Russian military was completely ready. If they weren't ready, they would be in trouble, right? So um, they told me they were ready. They weren't ready. Uh, I'm convinced of that at this point. The resistance from Ukraine is significant. Again, whether or not Ukraine is a good guy country, bad guy country, that's not the point. Um, think of it, if you want to think of it this way, think of it like the old Soviet Union versus the Nazis in Germany when they were fighting each other, okay? Both of them are truly evil countries, were truly evil entities. Uh, but you could argue, well, there's a reason why Hitler is going to lose that particular onslaught because of the nature of the winter and all the things that you could study about World War II. Um, the good guyness of either side is not what I'm focusing on now. I'm talking now about what Putin will end up having to do. And I think... He's going to have to go full hog, medieval, on Ukraine if he wants to survive as a human being. And for that matter, if he wants his legacy to survive at all. Because right now, it's do or die for him, literally, uh, in Ukraine. This is, whether he realizes this or not, he's put himself into the Alamo, as it were. Uh, this, is, this is it for him. If he does not completely conquer Ukraine and swallow it up, like he did with Crimea and Georgia in the past, then he will go down as a very weak leader and people will never take him seriously again. That's what's going to happen. And he can't afford that. Well, that, that won't happen in that way. What will happen is the way it works in, the, in countries based on anthill and totalitarian power, which is his head will wind up on a stick and someone else will take his place, who will do the same as him. That's why I, I hate this demonization of Putin, because to me it doesn't matter. Whoever rules that country in its kleptocratic state will be the kleptocratic strongman. What will Putin do? Putin will do whatever he can get away with. Because, like you said, on the chessboard, whatever move opens, he'll do. It, it, and that's what's happened so far. Biden opened Putin's oil spigots, 
Putin got the resources he needed to fund this invasion. Putin saw weakness in the West. Putin read Sun Tzu and went, time to go, and did it. Okay, the, all, right, all right. So I feel like we're doing two different podcasts here, Ari. Uh, and I love you for it. Your an analysis is always good. But uh, we certainly agree that Biden and his fecklessness, if that's a word, uh, was the prompter of this aggression. We have no, no issue. And what, now, whether or not the aggression is between two bad guy countries or between one bad guy country and one good guy country, those are different things. I just want to wrap up on the issue of Putin and what his ultimate efforts are going to be, what his choices are. And the choices seem to me that he's got a do or die situation. Either he swallows up Ukraine for the greater glory of Russia, as it were, or um, he retreats and ends up losing his head. I think, and I think he would. Well, well, I, the best he could hope for is some sort of imprisonment at the end of the day, because that the happen. There's, it's, it's only death. Okay. It's, what I think is going to happen is I think that the in a week or two the peace offering terms that Putin generally outlined are going to be what they're going to wind up with, because barring that, I think there's an outside possibility that this thing could go nuclear which would be very, very bad. The other thing, and this is the main point I want to get to, which is I see a, re a retread here of World War I, in which you have a completely incapacitated American president, where we basically don't have an American president, and you have all these overlapping interweb of treaties and agreements that have created a powder keg. All these countries cannot act alone in their own interests without kicking off a falling line of dominoes of interrelated stuff. NATO should have been disbanded years ago, but instead it's outlasted its use. And now all it serves as is a tripwire that's going to set off a, an explosion. Okay. And that's where I, what I think Putin has read in that the, the, the West has two choices. Uh, agree to Putin's terms in one way or another and end this thing now, or go all out, which is going to end in nuclear war. And my fear is that these modern Agenda 21, Great Reset kind of mentality people who believe, this might seem off topic, but it's not. People who believe that global warming is the greatest existential thrice, uh, crisis for facing mankind do not think a nuclear war is the greatest existential crisis facing mankind. And that's a very dangerous thing. Okay. Is I, that I, a good I, point? You're okay. welcome. I drop. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, <laughs> no, excuse me. You like, I that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you muttered it really good. Uh, so all I can say, folks, is that just be thankful that I'm here and not you having to deal with our... I, I am suffering for your sins. Like okay? Jesus, like, you take the sins. I didn't say Jesus. I, you said it. I, I said I, like I, Jesus. I, okay, fair you enough. You are crucified I, for my I, sins. Ari is my cross to bear. Uh-huh. Okay. Schlep it. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I can't work under these conditions, like I said. So, look, going to the nuclear point, um, and I, but I don't disagree with you that I think that to many in the environmentalist movement, the notion of a nuclear uh, winter, you know, some horrific event like that, it was like, yeah, yeah, that's not so great, but climate change. You're you know, right. I, I, Seriously. I know. Okay. So, so the, the point is, but getting to the reality, because uh, it is obviously much more impactful to have a nuclear uh, situation going on. I'm not worried about 
Putin using nuclear uh, efforts whatsoever. I, I, I'm not worried about that at all because it's so crazy, the idea that, that he would do that. He would know, even in his own mad state, and I don't think he's that mad, by the way. Uh, so He's he, more there than Biden. Well, that's a good point. He's more there than Biden. So if in his own uh, irrational state, if you want to say that, but he's not irrational, he knows that one nuclear bomb would lead to hundreds of nuclear bombs upon him, even with Biden in charge. Uh, that that would just that would be it for for him, and so much for his legacy, and so much for everything else. So, uh, as much as the nuclear issue is a big matzo ball, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I, you know, you can't totally take it off the table, but I would not ascribe as much uh, likelihood to a nuclear situation as many other commentators would. I don't I don't see it as a realistic uh, consequence. The threat of it uh, again shows more bark than bite. Uh, as he did in the very beginning of this when he put his uh, troops on nuclear alert. Uh, but he's saying the same thing with everything else, right? Uh, anyone who imposes sanctions, that will be deemed an act of war. Anyone who um, uh, suggests some sort of fly-around situation, that's going to be an act of war. Every, anything that is in any way cooperative in the fight against Russia, that's also considered an act of war. Okay, well, <laughs> it's gotten to the point where is, is there is breathing an act of war? So, uh, or giving a thumbs up sign to Ukraine, you know, we really respect you, Zelensky. Is that is that an act of war? So, look, I, I know the talking point among you and a lot of our mutual friends, for that matter, is that Ukraine not necessarily so good. I get it. Okay, but that's not the point. I'm really focusing on on Putin. I do want to talk about Ukraine eventually, but there are um, serious. You know, I, I'm more interested in the military aspect of this and where where what the future is of Russia, and particularly of Putin in Russia. So to me, it's going to be a matter of two months. Within two months, this war is going to end, one way or the other. Okay, uh, Either the Ukrainians will have to relent and give up the eastern provinces, for example, like we just talked about, like they just uh, had a peace, peace proposal in the, in the past, or... Or um, this will backfire on Putin, and Putin will eventually uh, be saddled by the generals who will take over. He, he, can't, he simply cannot go back to Russia, having lost in Ukraine, and then say to his people, well, you know, better luck next time. Yeah, that he's not a better luck next but, time sort but, of guy. You know, I, I do have a contention with you, and you're not going to like this. I completely disagree with you on the, the brutal stuff you said earlier. I don't think he's been brutal. I don't think we've seen the full force of the army. I know, I know. He's got, I'm, I'm, he I'm saying, I'm saying he's going he's to wanted, be. He's wanted at this point. Can you turn that I, thing hold, hold, No, no, hold on. Uh, he, he's, I said he's going to be much more medieval. He's, he has no choice but to go full hog medieval. That's what I said. Right. Okay, so thing he, he will escalate and escalate until he feels he needs to absolutely win, and this is the only way to win. Yeah, but I, I, I think he's actually done enough to win in, 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 for the most part because I think those eastern provinces he wants is the buffer zone where you have this large Russian ethnic population are essentially conquered. Um, the, the thing is uh, the, I think there's a weird dynamic at play that is very unique to this moment caused by Biden, 
which is the more chaos that's created in warfare, 90% of the time as things drag out and go long, mm -hmm. normally that's bad for the aggressor because it gives the other side a chance to go Vietnam uh, primitive warfare on yeah. you and pick off your guys. But that's not what's happening here. Every day that passes in the flux of not having a resolution causes the price of oil to skyrocket, and that benefits Putin. It's, it's an interesting inverse motivation here. So, yeah, normally you'd say, yeah, he's got to win, win big, you know, for Mother Russia and all that stuff. But in this case, he doesn't. Because as long as oil keeps going up in price, Russia wins. Yeah. Because uh, of the decisions Biden made. Okay. So now going to the Biden point, um, and I think that the environmentalists you know the, the whole the whole mantra of the environmentalism and the, the whole woke culture, for that matter, in, in effect, has come full bear, full bear. Is that the right word? Full bear uh, upon this full uh, circle full or, or backfire. Uh, full bore, I want yeah, to say. Yeah. Bore. So it has uh, reached a point, a cataclysmic point, where it actually has led to this massive war. And it's not a surprise. You 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 know, I think we said this before in a previous podcast that. I don't blame so much Putin as I do the the guy as I do Biden and everyone else who unleashed him. They, they don't realize, they don't think that they unleashed him, but they did. It's it, I likened it to a lion that you know you don't blame the lion for mauling your kids when the when the, when the zookeeper was the one who who let him out. Yeah. You blame the zookeeper. How could you have done this, zookeeper? You know, you, you just you, you didn't you didn't bother to you know you know keep the, the gate locked or whatever it was right. or feed the or feed the lions or whatever, and now the lion is has escaped you know desperate for for food or whatever it is, and now he's mauled my children, and I blame you zookeeper of course, and but the, Putin is Putin that's the point Putin is the monster okay, uh, and Biden has unleashed him, yeah because of all the oil shenanigans cutting off the Keystone he basically begged him to go to war with Ukraine. Yeah. Begged him. And now he's repeating, because you know how you say liars always lie, cheaters always cheat, Ari's always obnoxious? You know how you say that? Yes. Okay. Look, Especially the latter. Right. Look at this pattern now repeating itself. Now they're going to Saudi Arabia and saying, hey, OPEC guys, will you help us? Right? Now you're going to Iran and saying, oh, mullahs, will you help us? Now you're going to Maduro in Venezuela and saying, hey, could you pump some oil? Why can't you pump our oil? You know what I mean? Because when when those dictators are made richer, how are they not going to do the same thing Putin did in their theaters yeah. around the world? You're 100% you're right. And the question is, you know, how could they not know the perception that this would create by him going to Iran, to Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, and all the other countries that you just mentioned? Uh, how is it possible that you wouldn't, that people would not say, okay, the, the whataboutism that you just talked about, what about doing it in America? It, it, what it means, Ari, is that the um, the domestic enemies within, meaning AOC and the, the, agenda, 21 the, the agenda 21 people, people all, all the environmentalists, all the, the far left that uh, are in America have such control over this administration that they have to risk and suffer for that matter, not even risking, suffer the extreme bad press of of begging, like you said, Maduro and Iran and everyone else, uh, while at the same time refusing 
to open up the Keystone. Not once has he said, uh, let's open Keystone. I, you know, times are tough. You know, this, this war is really something else. But you know what? Let's open up Keystone for a short time period, and that way we won't have any issue whatsoever. Okay? And likewise with the XL pipeline, likewise with coal, likewise with uh, allowing drilling in every respect. And fracking. Okay. Teacher, I have a question. Um, why don't we go to Iraq and ask them for oil? Didn't we help them a few years ago? Yes, we did. Not only that, but Israel has a lot of oil now. I, I, I'm keeping the Jews out of this one. I, I, you, can, you can keep them, but I'm not. Uh, and it's not the Jews, it's Israel. right? So Israel has a substantial oil supply. Yeah. And, and, and thanks to Israel's great discovery and efforts uh, that they found on, off the coast of Israel. And you would think that they would go at least to Israel, and Israel has always been a great friend of, of America. This would be the first go-to country. Oh, but you say, Israel's so far away. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> You know, Venezuela is not that close either. Iran is even further away than Israel. And yet somehow that's, that's the first go-to country you go, the, these bad guy countries. Yeah. Well, you're going re- to relieve all these sanctions, everything else that we built against Iran. Now Iran has, has the sense correctly that it's got us by the you-know-whats. Uh, and, uh, and we're just going to have to play ball with Iran now from, from now on. What weakness have we created for ourselves? Now, the good news is that, God willing, we get a Republican president, a good Republican president like, like Trump, uh, and, and he, will have, Pence, Trump. he will have the ability, just I can't, this, this guy. I just want to make sure that's clear. <laughs> I don't want to say Republican. I said, that's why I said like a Pence. good president, a good president. So, uh, I, listen, I, I, know, I, I know that you have posters of Trump all over your apartment. I've been there. I have a okay. house. Like, like, but, but he's, he's more like the kids, you know, like your teenage girl who likes, you know, um, the Backstreet Boys or all those, you know, boy bands. Yeah, that, that's what it's like. That's the way he treats Trump over there. It's very cute, I have to tell you. Anyway, so Trump, yes, if Trump were back in the scene, he would be able to flip this around very quickly. But Wow, I, I don't want to be pushed to this point. I don't want the whole country to be pushed to this point where we have to beg and plead for a great president like Trump to, and that, that's the only saving moment. It shouldn't be this way. Even, even a, a moron president like, like Joe Biden, and he is a moron, even uh, an incompetent president, and he is incompetent, uh, should be able to, to cobble together some basic logic to this whole thing and say, you know what, let's open up the Keystone, XL, otherwise, all the things we just mentioned before, fracking, do the whole thing and open up licenses and everything else. So, and that the funny thing is, you're going to relieve all these sanctions, everything else that we built against Iran. Now Iran has, has the sense correctly that it's got us by the you-know-whats uh, and, uh, and we're just going to have to play ball with Iran now from, from now on. What weakness have we created for ourselves? Now, the good news is that, God willing, we get a Republican president, a good Republican president like, like Trump, uh, and, and he, will have, Pence, Trump. he will have the ability. Just, I can't. This, this guy. I just want to make sure that's clear. <laughs> I don't want to say Republican. I said, that's why I said a Pence. good president, a good president. So, uh, I, listen, I, I, know, I, I know that you have 
posters of Trump all over your apartment. I've been there. I have a okay. house. Like, like, but, but he's, he's more like the kids, you know, like your teenage girl who likes, you know, um, the Backstreet Boys or all those, you know, boy bands. Yeah, that, that's what it's like. That's the way he treats Trump over there. It's very cute, I have to tell you. Anyway, so Trump, yes, if Trump were back in the scene, he would be able to flip this around very quickly. But, wow, I, I don't want to be pushed to this point. I don't want the whole country to be pushed to this point where we have to beg and plead for a great president like Trump to, and that, that's the only saving moment. It shouldn't be this way. Even even a, a moron president like, like Joe Biden, and he is a moron, even uh, an incompetent president, and he is incompetent, uh, should be able to to cobble together some basic logic to this whole thing and say, you know what, let's open up the Keystone, Excel, otherwise, all the things we just mentioned before, fracking, do the whole thing and open up licenses and everything else. So, and the, the funny thing is, now, they just said, and Biden just said this, I, I believe yesterday morning, we've been drilling more than any time in the past. We're, we're, more, we're drilling now more than, than the first year of the Trump administration. Yeah, it was a very specific line. Yes, exactly. To those Trump, words. Yeah, the first year. So, but what about yeah. the last year, which was the preceding year, just before you became right. he, the asterisk president? He basically said, we drilled more in the last day than Trump did on day one of his presidency. When he entered the Oval Office and uh, walked in there, we, we drilled more than that, but that was Obama's drilling days. Yeah, exactly. Not only that, but also he's, he would also want it to be as less drilling as possible anyway. So he, it's already on the decline as it is. But, okay, so you get the idea about, about this drilling. So if he, if he actually says this and, and parlays this to the American people, what you're talking about, we're drilling more than ever, baby. Drill, baby, drill all of a sudden, right? Yeah. Well, then then why not open the Keystone Pipeline? Why not announce, I am opening the Keystone Pipeline? I'll show you drilling, baby. I'll show you oil production, baby. That's what he could do. And all of a sudden, wait, wait. He's, he's all of a sudden so proud of the massive amount of, of oil production under his watch, his first year of presidency, as he says. Then, then be even more proud. Open up the Keystone, and then we won't have an issue. We'll, we'll be energy independent, and you can thumb the nose of all these mother effers, right? Russia included. Why not? Yeah, the price of oil will go down and Putin's coffers will run dry. War over. Uh, the other thing, it's just not said enough, so or said at all, so I'm going to say it. Keystone XL is a pipeline. It's not a drill. The oil has already been extracted. It's just a way of putting it from here to there. Right. Uh, it doesn't pollute. It uses something called... <laughs> Gravity to move things, right? Uh, yeah, no, you're right about that. But the point is that uh, it's not so much that it's the it's not even a question of drilling. It's the consumption of the oil that that he's complaining about. He doesn't want he wants to limit the supply, whether it's accessed or not. Um, so it doesn't even have to be drilled. It's just not there. So he, he of course, he's talking about you know what's, what's the expression between both sides of his mouth. Uh, talking, out talking of out of both sides of mouth. On the one hand, saying, I'm, I'm, "Look at me, I'm all for you know oil exploration and and, and gathering." It's, it's all garbage because it takes. I mean, all these permits are out there. There are applications for permits, and and he claims that 
the uh, oil explorers are not taking advantage of it. I, I, I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. Uh, so, but of course, it's his regulations and everything else that are tripping up. They, they're actually pursuing lawsuits to open it up, uh, these permits, and yet he's complaining that these guys are not, you know, permitting it. And then he claims that the reason why they're doing it is to gouge, right? So, no, okay, are you kidding? That's just the stupidest thing ever. This is what OPEC had to learn the hard way, is that you can gather together and try to limit supply, but it never works in the end. And secondly, it doesn't work that way. You, you, you cut off the Keystone Pipeline. You cut off Excel. You cut off all the energy. You demonized. You, you, you penalized. You ta- overtaxed oil production. And then you're so surprised we're in this position. And somehow you claim that they're gouging? Yeah. Really? And, and my fear is the next step, and you can see this floated by a shitting bull, you know, Elizabeth Warren a couple of days ago about the gouging thing. The next step is to put price controls on oil, which will result in the Jimmy Carter days of gas shortages, yes. gas lines, uh, odd and even days that you could purchase. In other words, rationing. And then you can only buy when they let you. Now, and you know that they love this stuff. Yeah. And then when that happens, it, it creates an even greater downward pressure on supply, making Putin and all those bad actors around the world even richer. You idiot. Yeah, of course. So you're, you're 100% right. This brings me to my last point uh, on this podcast because it's such an important thing. I, uh, I was discussing the notion of gouging with a, <clears throat> with a friend, a, a lefty friend, and saying about how people should not gouge, whether it's oil or otherwise take these opportunities. Um, so when you think of price gouging, you think of something like Hurricane Katrina, right? Like ice or something, water. Yeah, yeah, something where somebody wants to bring clean water that's not dirty to, um, well, obviously, by definition, it's not dirty, right? They want to bring clean bottled water into a, um, a hurricane-ravaged area, and it costs them $2 per bottle, let's say, and they want to sell it for $10. Well, that's price gouging, you might say. Uh, no, there's no such thing as price gouging. It doesn't exist. What are you talking about, Barack? Of, of course it exists. That $10, that's ridiculous. Well, why do you, the reason, if, if you didn't allow them to charge more than they paid for it, then they would have no incentive to go to the hurricane ravaged area to help these people. I mean, yes, you'll have these, uh, these, these uh, pro bono groups that are charitable and everything else, that, and God bless them for it, but it won't be enough. If you really want people to uh, go ahead and actually deliver all the supplies, let them quote-unquote gouge for the time being. It won't last very long because what happens is some guy goes and let's say the $10 that I just mentioned, okay, and he comes back saying, wow, I made a killing off of this. Guess what? Another guy says, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to do for $9. Yeah, the okay? market gets flooded with suppliers. Yes, yeah, so all of a sudden people are very interested in helping out. Uh, and they do help out, and it pays off really well, and the market meets the demand. And it, the last thing you want to do is to uh, create these anti-gouging laws. If somebody wants to pay $10 for a bottle, thank you very much, let them pay it. Yeah, okay. because at that That's point, the- they're valuing water more than paper, right? Right. So this goes to the next point. There's four points I want to make on, on economics, because people don't seem to under- understand economics. I was not only an economic economics major, but also an MBA, and I, I majored in all this economic stuff. So um, the other thing is there's no such thing as a market failure. Okay, there, There's never been a market failure. There may be a limited supply, okay, 
uh, like, for example, the chips that are going on now with the cars. Okay, there's, there's a supply issue there, but that, that might be because of government interference, right? Uh, uh, geopolitical issues, yes. But there's, it's not as if people are not uh, respecting that there's a market for cars, okay? <laughs> a market for iPhones, market for bananas, for that matter. There, the, if, if people want something and there's a demand for it, a market will develop around it. Thank you very much, okay? It's just a question of price most of the time. Um, the third thing about um, these things is about monopolies, generally speaking. Monopolies, uh, people want, always want to break them up. Uh, they talk about how horrific that is for everything. Mm, not so much. Um, the very rarely in history have monopolies lasted. In fact, it's very hard to imagine any one company that has been around now for, let's say, 200 years. Right? You would think a monopoly of such power would still exist. They yeah. don't. Where's the Dutch East India Company, for exactly. instance? And the reason why they ultimately fail at the end of the day is because uh, they are, are always complacent. At some point, they reach a certain level where they just feel like everything that they do is right. And uh, Johnny Come Lately comes around with a new, better cookie. Well, no, the, the people don't want that. We can ignore them. And they ignore them at their own peril. And then... Uh, another company comes in making a better cookie. For example, Google was better than AOL. Bye-bye, AOL. Remember AOL was a huge enterprise once? Okay. AOL, in turn, had defeated Prodigy, and so on and so on. Right. Yeah, and soon with all the censorship, you can see a Google and a YouTube are starting to lose to a Rumble and a DuckDuckGo, and yeah. you know, the beginnings of that are starting to happen. You right. can see it. It's, it's like a long-term... It's like the long-term view of history. You just have to sort of trust that, no, they will not last forever. Right. Um, and the other thing is about uh, price controls. Okay, so you just simply can't... Price controls is very similar to the gouging issue, right? So whenever you think about, you know, uh, uh, the government coming to the rescue and you shall not charge more than X per gallon, you're going to have long lines because the demand is suddenly, you know, crazy. It has to... You have to let the price of of oil go as it is. At least Biden is not making a mistake of what, of what Jimmy Carter did. For yes. now, for now. Yes. I get it. Give him a chance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know. But, it, but it's so funny. Like, they talk in such funny terms. They, they say, on the one hand, they're going to pour all this money into this situation. They, they, they really do believe the government is the savior. Like, when push comes to shove, the government will step in, roll its sleeves up, and uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to solve and fix this problem once and for all. Thank you very much. Uh, it never does, of course. But using that same logic, why not just control everything, right? Why not control the price of, of, your, of what you can sell your house for? I wouldn't give him that idea yet. <laughs> he might. Why, he might. Why, why not control the, you know, I want to sell my car, let's say. Okay, I, you know, I want... I want uh, $100,000 for my, um, let's say, my, my 2012 Land Rover, okay? Give it to me. No, you can't sell it for that, sir. Uh, the government re regulations now. But, but why? Why? I mean, and, and why not food? Why not groceries, generally speaking? Why not electricity? Why not everything? So this, this mentality, like, they, they don't realize how they're slipping into this socialist mantra. I, I think, I mean, I think they do know what they want to do. But I don't think the public understands how this is socialist thinking that inevitably will result in socialism. Yeah, well, the public is figuring it out, and it doesn't result in socialism because you never achieve socialism. That's called communism, yes. you know, the end, the destination. What's happening, and you saw it like with the moms, voters, who were who lifelong Democrats in Virginia, going, 
uh-uh, once they saw what the schools were doing, yeah. the socialism in the schools. And as people see this stuff with gas prices, with food prices, with uh, coming food shortages, which are inevitable now, uh, I don't mean to scare you, but it's true. It's going to happen. That's where people will start to figure out, oh, crap. Those people who warned us about socialism were right. There is no such thing as the benevolent, democratic socialism. All right, but but I don't want to say that it's all bad news, Ari, because, frankly, and I think you know we can all agree on this, that America is a fairly fat country, and think about all the good uh, loss of weight that we'll have as a result of all this. It's going to be great. You know, this, these four food shortages and the collapse of grocery stores and everything else, it's going to be wonders for our waistlines, uh, you know, for the short term, you know, for a couple of months, maybe. Uh, after that, I'm not looking forward to it too much. All right, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Brock Lurie signing off. God bless. And we'll talk with you next week.